Well, today we're talking about being rescued by God and what it means, His incredible love and power to have brought us into His kingdom, the need to be transferred out of something to be brought into something else, which is just the awesome kingdom of God. Amen? And we're looking at that connection of how being dunked in the name of Jesus Christ, baptized into His name, how that connects us into the kingdom. And I just think about, as we think about the kingdom of God today, I want you to think about the idea of what Jesus said about his kingdom. When Jesus himself said, I tell you that if you're going to be part of my kingdom, notice what he says in that verse, then you're going to have to be born of what? Be born of the water and of the spirit. <clears throat> so he makes that connection that there's a new birth, that there is an entrance into the kingdom, and it's going to be of, of water and of the spirit. He talks about his kingdom and says that my kingdom is not of this world, this is the time of the cross. If it were, you know, these Jewish leaders would not do what they're doing to me. If it was a kingdom of this world, it would be the greatest kingdom of all. And so Jesus says, my kingdom's not of this world. The world is part of his kingdom, right? I mean, everyone, everything bows before him. Things in heaven, things under the earth. But his kingdom is far greater than this earth, far greater than any kingdom here on this earth or any principality or ruler as well. But he says here that my kingdom's not of this world. It's a spiritual kingdom. And I really love in the Bible where it talks about how we get to inherit in the kingdom. That if we're part of the kingdom of God, there's this inheritance that's available for us. And when you think about Paul in Corinthians, he, he talks a whole lot about what happens if you're an inheritor of the kingdom. And things that you need to avoid. Because if you don't avoid these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so Paul really picks up on this this talk of Jesus about the kingdom uh, being so important, the kingdom of God, the kingdom that we're to live in, this kingdom of light as well that we're going to see. And it's talked about in Galatians and Ephesians and James as well to inherit this kingdom. And then Paul puts it this way about our kingdom, that our citizenship is where? It's in heaven, isn't it? And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control... Notice, he will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Where's your citizenship this morning? Heaven. What part of the kingdom are you? Are you part of the kingdom of God? You're a citizen of heaven? Now, people a lot of times say, well, if the kingdom of heaven's so strong and so mighty, why does it seem like we're losing? Have you ever thought about that sometimes in your own life sometimes? Why does it seem like the kingdom of darkness is winning? Why does it seem like it's losing? I think I have a good answer for that. I was talking about this with my son David a couple of months ago and just thought this was an incredible illustration from the book of Daniel. Did you know in Daniel 5, when King Belshazzar knew that his kingdom was about to be, is under siege, about to be taken over, do you remember what King Belshazzar did? He threw the biggest party you could ever imagine. He gathered all the royals, all the people together through this huge party he brought all the, the gold and the goblets out of the temple, and he brought them in to drink the wine out of the, out of the goblets. He threw a party of music and just entertainment, and outside, as he knows that, that the kingdom is under siege, he throws this big party. Now, why does he do that? Is he stupid? <laughs> is he ignorant of the fact that his, his kingdom's in trouble? No, what he did was he tried to fake everybody out to try to convince everybody that everything was okay when it wasn't okay. 
So if you're inside that party that night with King Belshazzar, you thought, man, everything's great. We're drinking out of the golden goblets of Jerusalem. We're, we're violating the temple here. It doesn't matter. Look how powerful. Look how strong we are. Look at the music. Look at the entertainment. Look at what's going on. But in the midst of that, do you remember Daniel's there and there's this what on the wall? The handwriting on the wall appears. And you remember at the end of that, Daniel said to the king what? That this night, your kingdom's over with. And before that evening was over with, king was dead and there was a new kingdom. I believe in my heart that as the dominion of darkness seems to be increasing and you have attacks upon the church and upon things that are Christian and attacks upon things that are moral and ethical and, and it looks like sin is winning, I believe the devil's thrown the biggest party you can imagine to fake everybody out. He already knows he's lost. <laughs> He already knows that Christ paid the price. And the only way that he can keep people in sin is to throw the biggest party to convince everybody that everything's okay, that you can attack the church, you can attack morals, you can attack ethics, you can change the rules, and it seems like everything's okay, and the handwriting's on the wall, folks. Are you with me? My citizenship is in heaven. It's not here on earth. I believe that the God who sent his son Jesus into this world is more powerful and greater than anything earth has to offer me. That he's greater than the devil, that his dominion and his rule is far superior to anything that evil has to offer me. Do you believe that? And so part of being dunked in the name of Jesus Christ is that allegiance, is that covenant, is that commitment. It's entering to that drama, that identity, that burial, that, that fullness of Christ that I believe that I can be rescued from this world. And from the dominion of darkness in my life and enter into a kingdom of light where there's truth and purpose and love and be saved by the name of Jesus Christ and by his blood on the cross. I just look at these and I see these verses and I think about the kingdom and it reminds me that what if I'm not in the kingdom? In Colossians, it says on one occasion, at one point, we were alienated from God. We're outside the kingdom. We were enemies because of our evil, our evil behavior. But now he has, what has God done? He's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. You talk about a powerful God. You talk about a tremendous thing. I was outside the kingdom I was alienated from God, separated from God, not part of his family. It's not the way God ever intended, was it? It's not the way God created us. God created us to have deep fellowship with him, right? Personal fellowship that would last forever through eternity. And yet the ones that he created us, we find ourselves alienated from him. But notice what God did. When I was alienated, he brought me back. That's the word reconcile. He brought me back how? Through whom? Jesus. It's all about Jesus. You can, never, you can never get away from Jesus. It's because of Jesus' physical death on the cross. The sacrifice that he paid, that I could be free without blemish and spot. So he continues in Colossians and says, look, when you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ. See that? I was dead, alienated, God made me alive. He forgave 
all of my sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemning us, he has taken it away doing what? How did he do that? Nailing it to the cross. See, it's all about Jesus, isn't it? It's all about the death of Christ, the sacrifice for my sins that I might have forgiveness. When I was alienated, when I was dead, God made me alive through Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? It's all because of what God has done for me, what Jesus has done for me. And he canceled the debt. He took me out of that dominion. He put it on the cross. Very, very beautiful way that he puts this. And it's so personal. That's what I want to talk about in terms of God rescuing me first today. It's so personal. Notice what it says in Colossians 1 as you continue. We're to give joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you. Now, when you hear the word qualified, you usually don't think about the word personal, do you? What do you think about when you think about the word qualified? Are you qualified? You think of a list, don't you? You think of things that you have to do. This word qualified here is the idea of of adoption. It's what God has done for us. I was alienated. I was separated. I was away from God. I was dead in my sins. So I did not what? Qualify to be in his kingdom, to be part of his family. But what if God, out of his incredible personal love, said, I'm going to adopt you into my family? It changes everything, doesn't it? And through Jesus, what he did was he qualified us. It's not what you do. It's not your works. It's not how good you are based upon somebody else. It's not you qualifying. It's God doing what? Bringing you in, qualifying you. So it's very personal. What has he qualified us to do? To share in the inheritance. So there's a purpose there. To share in the inheritance of his holy people. You talk about a purpose, what is the purpose? To share in the inheritance of his holy people. Today, people talk about the millennials. Have you heard that? What do the millennials think? It used to be uh, the yuppies. Everyone has a Generation X, you know. It's the millennials and try to figure them all out. And it's interesting to me because the millennials are people who are looking for a deeper cause. They just don't want to be part of the status quo. They, they, they want to be invested in a deeper cause that will change the world. So they're very much into in changing the environment or protecting the environment or making sure water's pure or the different causes, helping the poor. Not against that at all. Don't misunderstand me. You see what I'm saying? If you get people motivated, millennials, they want to be involved in causes greater than themselves. Can I just tell you this, though? There will always be dirty water. There will always be poor. There will always be tyranny. There will always be suffering. There will always be environmental things that happen that just absolutely devastate our country and other countries. doesn't mean we shouldn't try, but you can't change those things. You can make a little bit of a difference, but not a whole lot. So the real change that needs to take place is not material, and if you're involved in those things, incidentally, I'm not saying that's wrong. You didn't hear that, did you? I'm just saying, think a little bit deeper. The greatest change in a person is not material. It's the relationship with Jesus. 
And if you want a purpose in your life, this is what God has called you to do. You have a neighbor next door that needs the water of life more than he needs filtered water. You have a person in this world that needs to be redeemed more than they need their garbage recycled. And see, some of you are mad at me right now. I understand that. Get over it. (laughs) It really doesn't bother me. But see, it's part of our conditioning now. We think that we're changing the world and that if we just do these good things that everything's going to be right with the world. It's not. The kingdom of God and being in that kingdom and bringing people in that kingdom is what's going to change lives permanently and spiritually. It's not an either or. I'm just asking you to raise your level of consciousness and realize that you as a young adult, a millennial, or Generation X, or World War II, whatever you are, you'd better invest your life in Jesus. Because at some point, you're going to wake up totally, totally disappointed in what you've invested in. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) The purpose. The purpose is just so beautiful. Give thanks to God who's qualified. He's adopted you. He's put you into this kingdom to share in the inheritance of his holy people, this kingdom of light, which is truth, isn't it? Do you believe that you find truth in Jesus and in God alone? Truth. The truth is what sets you free. Truth does not condemn. Truth is not in the sense of it. it's just trying to make you hard-nosed or against everything. It's just that if you're going to base your life and build your life on someone or something, don't you want to build it on truth? And so that truth is what sets us free. And here's what he said. It's the kingdom of light as opposed to darkness. I'm not in darkness. I'm in this kingdom of light Everything's visible. Think about the old days when you had a kingdom that had walls. And so when the doors were open, the gates were open, people could enter into the kingdom, and at nighttime it would be lit up. There would be all sorts of light there for people to celebrate. If you look beyond the walls, out into the world, you would see just darkness. Maybe occasional campfire, but pretty much you looked out, it was just dark and scary. And what God has done is so personal and so powerful is that he says, I want to bring you into my family, into my kingdom, where there is just light of truth. There's no darkness. You don't have to be scared. You don't have to be fearful. You've been set free through Jesus Christ. You have this freedom through him, this light of the world. It's truth. And you never have to be ashamed of Jesus. Never have to be ashamed of Jesus because it's always the truth. We need to understand that and believe that. I look at this aspect, too, about, now here's the word I love. Here it comes. It's the word for the day. Rescued. We are rescued by God. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. He's rescued me. Isn't that powerful? He's rescued me from the power of darkness. That, here's the word, dominion. People who are under that dominion of darkness. That rule, that darkness of sin, see no way out. It seems hopeless to them. But he has rescued them. He has brought them out of that dominion, out of that dominion of darkness, and brought them into the kingdom of the Son, whom he what? Loves. Everything about God. He qualified you. See? He brought you out. He rescued you. He's brought you now, just didn't leave you out there. He transferred you into the kingdom of the Son, whom he loves. Here's another great word, the word redeemed. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. 
So here you have the words redeemed and the words forgiven. Everything is about Jesus, isn't it? That kingdom that's there. Now, just look at that just for a moment. Let's review it. How has we looked in Colossians? Well, we were alienated. We were alienated. Look at the chart, but now we've been reconciled. We were lost, but now we have been qualified. We have been adopted into his family. We were enslaved in our sins, but now we receive what? An inheritance from God. We were in, under the dominion of what? Darkness, but now we're in the kingdom of what? Light. We were kidnapped, but now we've been rescued. And the beautiful thing is we're now a citizens of heaven where we are loved, redeemed, and forgiven. Isn't that great? That's what it means to be dunked in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. This is what God does for us in terms of the kingdom that we're part of. And it's all about Jesus. All about Jesus. In Colossians, we've seen this before. Let me review just for a moment. Who is Jesus? Verse 13, he's the image of God. Verse 15, he's the creator of all things. In verse 16 through 17, he is all powerful, all supreme. Everything's under him. He's the head of the church in verse 18. He is the fullness, the fullness of God dwells in him. In verse 19, and through the cross of Christ, we're reconciled back to God. That's the Christ of whom we speak. That's the Christ through whom we have been rescued by God, qualified, brought into his kingdom to be redeemed and be forgiven. And so you find here in verse 18, verse 19, parts of those verses, let me read some of them to you. So that in everything, Jesus might have what? Supremacy. Why should he have supremacy? He's creator, image of God. Fullness of God, head of the church. There's no one greater than him. Every knee shall bow before him. Every tongue confess that he's Lord. Of course he's supreme. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So we're reconciled through Jesus by his death on the cross. And this is what's telling us. It's so beautiful. So you come then to verse 9 through 12. For in Christ... All the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. That's Jesus. And in Christ, you've been brought to fullness. So in Christ, you've been brought to fullness. And so he's building on this idea. We've been rescued, qualified, redeemed, forgiven. We're citizens of heaven. And he says he's the head over every power and authority. And then verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism. The word baptism there is to dunk. We've said throughout the series, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. How do I come into the kingdom of God? How do I have access to God rescuing me and God redeeming me and forgiving me? It's through Jesus, through his death on the cross. How do I come in contact with that blood of Jesus? Paul tells you in Colossians 1, it's through being buried with him in baptism. Born of the water and the spirit. Buried with him in baptism. Have those sins washed away. Now let's go back and look at the chart one more time. Alienated but reconciled. Lost but qualified. Enslaved but inherited. Darkness now has light. Kidnapped but now rescued. Uh, We are citizens who are loved, redeemed, and forgiven because we've been dunked in the name of Jesus because of our faith and repenting. We've had our sins forgiven. Now here's another word I want to use. The word everyone. Everyone in every time has that opportunity, don't they? Galatians 5.1, do you believe this? It is for freedom that what? Christ has set us free. 
been rescued from being kidnapped and brought into the kingdom of the Son, I have what? I have freedom. Christ is the one who set me free. And so therefore, Paul says, don't let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Christ has set you free. Who is that available for? Notice in Galatians, again, you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you, notice, who are what? Baptized, that is, dunked into Christ Jesus, has done what? Clothe yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you're all one in whom? Christ Jesus. So here we are, Jew, Greek, that covers everybody. <laughs> all right? No matter who you are, no matter your condition in life, slave or free, no matter if you're gender, male or female, all right? We're all one in Christ Jesus. We're part of God's kingdom, rescued from him, qualified by him, when we're what? When we are dunked in Jesus Christ. When we're dunked into his name, we clothe ourselves with Christ. And this is the beauty about the kingdom of God. Kingdoms of this world do treat people differently based upon race. There are many Jews in this world who are being persecuted simply because they're what? Jews. There are many people, different races in this world, who are persecuted simply because of their race. In the kingdom of heaven, there is no race. There is no um, inferiority between a male and and a female. We're all one in Christ Jesus. Conditions here in life, some may be enslaved in this world. Slavery is a horrible thing. Some may have total freedom and democracy. But the beautiful thing about the kingdom of God is that there are no slaves in the kingdom of God in the way that we think of slavery. We're all servants of Christ Jesus. We're all part of that one kingdom. And what it says here to us is that we can be part of that kingdom of God. We can be the children of God. See how personal it is. Through our faith in Christ that will lead us to be baptized, dunked into his name, so that we all become one in him. Now that is a purpose and a cause we can all believe in, right? That no matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, through Jesus Christ you can have salvation, be baptized in his name, and live with him eternally. And that's what it means to be part of his kingdom. Well, we've concluded our series on dunk today.